0: listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday and I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will also call me today with your investing questions or anything financial. Any issue that you're starting with that is financial, I'll be happy to talk about. I may not have the answer, but I know where to find them. So be happy to do that. Now, here in Invest Talk and at KPP Financial, my firm, we implement a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And what does that really mean, independent thinking, shared success? Well, number one, we don't buy. Other people's ideas, other companies' uh, suggestions of what, what stocks or equities we should own. We want to stay independent from them. And shared success means we'd like to buy the same thing. I buy the same thing for myself as I do for my clients at the same price, same percentage of the portfolios in the various programs we have. And this is all pointing to one goal, and that's to help all of us reach financial freedom, whatever that means to you. Freedom from worrying about money. Okay, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you reach the, your goals, whatever they are, financially. I mean, everybody's different. And uh, we do that. I do that. Justin does it on the, the days he does the show. We do that by answering your questions. And so that you drive the show. You make it interesting or not interesting. I am I don't know how interesting I can make it. I talk about things that are interesting to me. I'm just never sure that's what the audience wants. But I do know your questions drive the show and make it interesting for everybody else. So don't hesitate to give me a call. We're live right now. The phone number is 888-99-CHART. Well, the big news today, of course, the the big news was the jobs report, right? I mean, you couldn't avoid that. We only produced 20,000 jobs in February. 20,000. They expected like 170. And if you remember right, it was like 311,000 the month before. And February only produced 20,000 jobs. Now, I have a feeling that number is going to be revised. I also have a feeling that uh, the the government's not counting right. But that's true every month, right? I mean, so what makes this month any different than the others? Most experts don't believe that this number is reflective of any anything negative or problem in the economy. Not yet, anyways. And it's probably smarter to look at it like a three-month average, you know, rolling average, drop off of oldest month, put on the newest month, and see how to try to get yourself a trend. And there was good news in this report. Uh, the the wages grew 3.4% year over year or 0.4% month over month. That was much better than expected. And did you see what Costco is doing? They announced today that they're raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. So that's what you're seeing. You're seeing employers starting to want to try to keep their better employees by paying more money, which is a good thing for employees. Actually, it's a good thing for the economy, too. More money they have, the more they'll spend, and that helps the economy. Unemployment rate went from four percent down to three point eight percent. Kind of funny, huh? I mean, do you remember when it was like three point seven and jumped to four percent, and that was the month they produced two three hundred thousand jobs and still jumped? Here it is, we only produced twenty thousand jobs, and the, and the number drops down two tenths of percent from four to three point eight. <laughs> just odd, just odd. Anyways, you've heard me talking about the importance of investing wisely and sticking with it. It can be instructive to evaluate just how well persistent investors are in the past decade. Ten years ago, that's based tomorrow, that would be March 9th, 2009. Remember what happened March 9th, 2009? That was the very bottom of the market. That was the very bottom of the market from that huge financial crisis we had, that recession. Okay, so if you stayed with the market 100% in the in, in Dow or in the S&P 500, you would have made a lot of money instead of being frightened in and out, in and out. But no one, you know, I hate to quote these numbers because no one can pick the bottom. No one has ever been able to pick the bottom. So it's very easy to go back and say, okay, if I only just did this on this date, well, of course. Everybody can look at hindsight and be a hundred percent right and say, you know, this would have been great. Why don't you just say, if I only picked the right lotto numbers, when it was the jackpot was a hundred million dollars? Yeah, right. So what good is that? Yeah. So it's. I don't really like talking about, uh, you know, what would happen if you would have bought at the very bottom, or what would happen if you bought at the right very top and it went down, because no one, no one knows. No one picks those things. It's theoretical. But if you would have just stayed with the market all throughout the, the downturn and the upturn, 2008 through 2009, you would have been just fine with your investments. Most people can't do that. They just can't. It's just too difficult. Okay, 888-99-CHARTER is our number. eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Love to talk to you. Did you see the news on the Chinese trade stuff? It wasn't so positive today. Uh, President Trump is still optimistic. And, you know, that that I, I think that Chinese trade negotiation thing has been driving the market. At some point, people are going to go home hum and not worry about it or think about it anymore. But if there is an agreement, that would be very positive for the economy. I'm not quite so sure how positive it is for the stock market. Depends on how long it drags out. Because the market will reflect reflect it eventually. So... Anyways, eight 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 ninety nine chart. Uh, what is on your mind? What do you want to talk about? I will talk about whatever's on your mind. You know, we can talk about investing in, I- in Amazon when you first came out, an IPO. But that again, is looking backwards. Very difficult to know. But you would have made a fortune. You would have done the same thing with Microsoft, Intel, and Apple. You know, but that's very difficult. So, what do you? What's on your mind? You want to talk about the Fang stocks? Fang. have you already forgotten about them? Facebook, Apple, Netflix, uh, uh, Google, you know, talk about them, we can. Now, as you can tell, there's always an interesting market news, always, every day. But let's go ahead and grab a question from our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART.
2: Hello, I have saved up around $80,000, and I'm 21 years old, and I was wondering what I should do to invest my money and what I should do to make it grow I was considering buying or putting money down on a house or a townhouse or a condo in my area but Los Angeles seems very expensive I was wondering if maybe there's another state or another city where I could possibly invest in property or whether or not this is the right time to invest in property Thank you hope to hear it on the next podcast.
1: Well, investing in properties is a very good uh, asset class. There's nothing wrong with it, um, and I did it you know, slowly over the many years, invested in properties and in the stock market. So I like doing both. Um, when you invest in property, it's all about location. Where you know the location is key because you want to pick a spot that the valuations will go up. You don't want to pick a spot where they're going to go down. Now, there are certain rules of where to pick. Um, I I have some of my own rules. Uh, I liked, when I was buying rental properties, I I got up to five or six of them, I don't quite remember. Um, I always liked them close to the ocean in California, Southern California, mostly because I lived there and I knew the area well, uh, but also because I knew that that was, you know, a, a finite space, right? Another kind of rule would be close to a major university, because you always will have renters, so it's consistent. Or a state, um, a state government capital, or you know something to make it attractive. Not in the middle of nowhere, but something to make it attractive. And the younger generation, when I say younger, I mean the people in their twenties and thirties. They kind of like to move or live where the action is, you know. So, town downtowns and, ma- and major cities are becoming more popular. So, you know, you have to pick a theme. If you're going to invest in property, are you, is it a house you're going to live in or are you going to rent? And you have to answer that question. If you're going to rent, you, you need a good return and equity. And be prepared for renters not to pay you rent some month or two or three. Be prepared for that. You still got to cover the costs because that will happen as a, as a landowner. It does happen. Anyway, so I have no problem with rent uh, a property as far as investment. And if you're 21, and you have that much money, congratulations. $80,000 is pretty good at age 21. If you put it all in the stock market for the next 40, 50 years, you'll do very well. Either way it will work. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 99
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next
1: Invest Talk. 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992 4278. Let's go to Joseph in San Diego. How are you doing, Joseph? Hi, how are you? Good, thanks for calling. Thanks. The question I had was, um, i never really uh, invested in the stock market, but I have um,
3: like $10,000 I want to invest, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, what would be the best way to do that? Would it be to go through an investment group or buy stocks individually?
1: Probably, uh, Joseph, it's probably too small to buy stocks individually, because you don't want to buy one or two or three. That's okay. not enough. You can do it, Joseph but it's high, high risk, that's what that means. You can obviously buy, and you can buy a very safe company like a Johnson and Johnson or ExxonMobil. But even those, when you only have two or three or four in your portfolio, that risk is pretty high. The best thing to do maybe is to buy an exchange-traded fund (ETF). You know what that is? Yes, I've read about it. Okay, ETFs are all over the place. You can buy an ETF of the S and P five hundred. You can buy an ETF just for technology. Okay. You can, you can buy an ETF for oil or oil services. You can buy an ETF. But what happens is these little ETFs has a group of stockings inside them, like a mutual fund. Okay. But they trade like stocks. It would probably help you a lot if you joined an investment club because you learn a lot. Okay. And if you have that interest, that would be good. Also, start reading some of the books. Get my book, that would be a good start. Or Peter Lynch's books. They would be a good start. My book is uh, uh, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. And okay. It's, just, it's a pretty simple little book. You can get it at Amazon.com. But Peter Lynch has very good, easy books to read for beginners. Good luck with that, Joseph. I hope it works for you. All right, thanks. Thank Bye. you. Okay, 888-99-CHART is our number. We're going to go to Art and millipitas. Hey, I
2: was listening to you about the best time to invest for the time of the year. Yes. I got a retirement, uh, but I got about 20000 in a reserve, just money market. Okay. To invest that now, I'm pretty flexible about taking the risk in a straight dividend fund. Okay. Uh, would it be conservative or into a moderate allocation fund?
1: I would do it in a moderate allocation. You're retired. Right. You don't want to take a lot of risk on this stock, this uh, with this money.
2: This. I got two moderate allocation funds. Okay. Five-star funds, but I tended to sway toward the dividends because... They pay you monthly income. Oh, yeah.
1: I love those dividends, Art.
2: <laughs> That's what I really enjoyed about listening to your expertise in reference to dividends.
1: People, dividends make up a large part of the return on a portfolio. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore the dividends. But, Art, what do you want to do with this 20 grand? Well, the question
2: being, Steve, moderate allocation doesn't give me a monthly dividend check. No. I kind of like the idea on a tax basis in a taxable account, this reserve 20000 I have. Mm-hmm. If I take it in a dividend fund, and it pays out monthly. I'm at a reduced tax rate on mm-hmm.
1: the income that I have coming out. You know, all I can suggest is just get it invested.
2: Exactly. If I had an emergency, if I needed anything, I got about seventy-five grand in taxable accounts.
1: Oh, see. if you're... I
2: needed an emergency, I could get out at any time. Yeah, I'm anytime. not restricted on staying in.
1: I definitely put that money to work. I enjoy your expertise, Steve. You do a great job. All right, I appreciate your calls. You guys make the show. I just enjoy it. That's all. I think you do. Outstanding. Thanks, Art. I appreciate the call. Thank you. You're listening to Invest.com. I'm Steve Peasley. You can give me a call anytime you want. We want to talk about anything financial. You know, I talk about risk a lot, you can take a risk questionnaire at InvestTech.com if you're interested in getting a risk score, how much risk you're comfortable with. My number, 888-99-CHART.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Okay, our main talking point today in the opinion of some market experts, modern monetary theory, MMT, modern monetary theory is nothing but smoke and mirrors. That's it, bunch of nonsense. So the next battle for central bank independence is already under unfolding, and this is very interesting. What some people think, and I, it, it may it amazes me the lack of common sense, and that's going to be the main talking point. Lack of common sense. Uh, some of the other talking points that I have for us for today. Uh, Feb, I, I want to get into more of the non the payroll numbers for February that were announced. Because it was kind of a disappointment. Um, Dow Transport. Do you you think the Dow Transport Index is older than the Dow Jones Industrial Index? And you know the word Dow, D-O-W, that's a guy's name, his last name. Transports. Something interesting happened that rarely happens with the Dow Transports this week. We're going to talk about that. Um, And I want to redefine old. What does old mean? What does old? When, are you old? What does that mean? How old is old? I think it's getting be redefined, and I want to talk about when you look back and you're old. What really makes a good life? Is it is it dying at your desk, working till you die? Does that make a good life? What may, What's the definition of a good life? And by the way, I'm not making this up. There's been surveys. There's been surveys about that. And I'm going to talk about the surveys. And there's the three top things that make a good life, quote-unquote, whatever that means, a good life. Melody in San Diego. How are you doing, Melody? Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling.
3: I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. I was calling uh, today because my husband stopped to
4: Ameritrade. And a broker there gave him some information about these new ETFs. They're called um, TDAX Independence 2040 ETF. And apparently it's, uh, you've heard of those mutual funds that have the target
3: date,
1: uh, yeah, but I don't, this is
3: an ETF that
1: has that? Yeah. What do you my, think
3: of those? Yeah. Uh,
1: I do not like a Melody. Let me tell you why.
3: Okay.
1: It's the target date that bothers me. Okay. So let's say you're going to retire in 2040 and that's when you want to have that money. That's okay. I don't have a problem with you retiring at 2040 or, or 2020 or whatever. But when you buy an investment that targets that time, the way they package these investments together is, if it's way out there like 2040, they start first by investing in stocks, which is a proper thing to do. Sure. Okay? But what happens is time goes by, they get more conservative. And I don't even mind more conservative. I don't. But what I do mind is their conception of conservative is to put you in bonds and they automatically put you in more and more percentage of bonds or bond type of issues as you approach the date 2040. Now, what they're doing is completely ignoring the reality of what's going on in the market at the time. Sure. So, what could be, it could be the absolute worst time to be investing in more and more bonds. And yet, that's exactly what they're doing because it's on automatic pilot. Okay. It's just going to do it. That really is my only complaint about these things. Okay. But that's why I don't like them. Okay. You can do it yourself by saying, okay, well, we know if it's 2040, we know we're all in stocks now. Five years from now, 10 years from now, well, maybe I'll get a little bit more conservative. Then you can look at the realm of, of the investment environment out there and say, but this is not a good time, or this is a great time to be buying bonds. So let me buy more bonds than I would normally. Sure. You see? Sure. So then you can you can actually adjust it to the reality instead of being an automatic pilot. This is what they're really doing, Melanie, okay? They're saying if they put this 2040 date on it, that you're just going to leave it there until 2040. <laughs> sure. And never touch it, and they love you for that because then they never have to think about trying to keep you as a client.
4: It's almost like an annuity Then at that
1: point. Exactly. Huh. They love it because it holds you in. It's a great marketing idea, not so great investment idea.
3: Okay. Okay, okay. great. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Melody. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Steve and Encinitas. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Hey, I'm a financial advisor in Encinitas,
2: and I was wondering what you thought of uh, living benefit riders and variable annuities, that stuff something that you
1: like i'm not big on variable annuities it's not that i used to work for an insurance companies back east uh, for a long time and variable annuities uh, my biggest problem with them mm-hmm. is the expense
2: right the fees are higher than if you buy a mutual fund and obviously if you buy mutual funds no load low fee type deal
1: yeah i'd only buy no load mutual funds for, uh-huh. i only suggest that everybody buys no load funds and, you know, many, a variable annuity means you get to invest the money in different instruments. Uh, you know, you can do indexing. You can buy whatever you want, whatever they're offering in the fund. But I know the expenses are very high. Uh, and I, I have a problem because a lot of people sell them, sell them to the wrong people. A lot of insurance guys sell them. Remember, I used to be an insurance business. Right. Sell them to the wrong people. In other words, yeah, you I, don't sell. Yeah, and
2: particularly the, some of the index. The annuity crowd of people who go out and just sell everybody an equity index annuity. Yep. Is a, is a tough one.
1: Just buy oh. the annuity direct yourself. You can avoid yeah. some costs. Yeah, and well thanks again. Thanks, I appreciate the call okay. Steve. On the next invest talk, one US senator wants to break up the big tech companies. You know, I'm not necessarily opposed to that personally. Is this possible or merely political theater? That's going to be the story on Monday. But for now, I'm Steve Peasland. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99 Chart.
0: Uh, appreciate your uh, show and your uh, educational value. Of it. Invest Talk is here to help. Thank you. And we thank you for listening. Numbers
5: are elusive. Is it only a maximum of 7,000 total between the two accounts? They're always changing. And shot up to about 380 at one point. I got in about 291. On Invest Talk. the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners. It's about 5% of my overall portfolio. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers.
4: As far as I remember, you only have 60 days. To complete a rollover from a 401k into another retirement
2: vehicle.
5: So the questions keep coming. Got a question about insider trading? From every part of America. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is G from Philly. 24 7.
4: Hi, this is Jen from Portland, Oregon.
5: Using years of experience, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best. To decipher the potential meanings, investtalk.com.
0: You're listening to an Encore presentation of InvestTalk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next
1: InvestTalk. 888-992-4278. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. We're going to go talk to Farhan in Pleasanton. How you doing, Farhan? I'm good, Steve. Thank you for
3: your show. Uh, I'm in the Thank market you. for a house, um, but I'm not. Um, to, uh, I didn't call for that. But the thing is, um, I want to ask about credit scores. Uh, recently, I was uh, purchasing online tickets, uh, flight tickets, and the merchant double charged me, maxed out my credit, and that really hurt my credit score by about almost a hundred points. Question is: What's the fastest way to fix that? Um, Because since I'm in the market for a house, I uh, wanted to get your advice on what's the fastest
1: way to bring the credit score back up.
3: I've paid off the bills, um, Mm
1: -hmm. but yeah,
3: that's my question.
1: Well, uh, there's different things that makes credit scores go up. And I was uh, some time ago, a year or so ago, I wrote an article about uh, how to how to uh, improve your credit scores and it's it, it, you know the problem is is the, the the credit agencies who set this stuff up they're not that uh, transparent about what would do that they do tell you that you know uh, uh, not reducing your debt if you had too much debt compared to your income your debt to income ratio then your credit will go down. Applying to too many credit cards, your credit score will go down. Um, Canceling a credit card, your credit score will go down. Does that make any sense to anybody out there? Um, So don't cancel your credit cards. That made your score go down, not up. Um, um, So there's not a lot you can do. Do you know if there's anything on your credit report that's negative? No,
3: so well, the only what? thing that actually took it negative was because uh, they double-charged me on the flight ticket, it exceeded the, card, uh, math, the credit limit on the card, and that uh-huh. brought it down by 100 Yeah, So I don't have any yeah, I'm going to buy a house. Yeah.
1: So it's, That's amazing how that, how that uh, there's nothing you're going to be able to do other than you can explain it. When you apply for your uh, loan for the house loan, if they're not giving you the lowest rate because of that, you can explain it in writing, and usually that will satisfy the bank that you're going to get the home loan from. Even though that will not change your credit score, it will influence them to give you the lowest rate if they're giving you a higher rate because your credit score was up. What's the number that? What's the absolute number that you have, Farhan? The credit number.
3: It's about six hundred now. It's about at six eighty three, and before this incident, it was about
1: close to eight hundred. Yeah, geez, that, that's a big hit, isn't it? No, there's not a lot yeah. you can do about it except explain it to the to the lender if they try to you know ding you for more money. That's the only thing you can do. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Sorry about that. Thank you. I mean, Thank you for the call. A quick reminder, if
0: there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-99-CHART is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open. 888-992-4278. Um, now let's go to Michael and Glendora.
5: I want to ask you, how important is book value?
1: Book value is pretty darn important. You know, if you go to the Bible of value investing called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, it's in paperback right now, it's written in the 30s and 40s and republished many times. Benjamin Graham, which is the grandfather of value investing, says that you should never buy a stock that's over book value. Now, it's almost impossible to find one in this day and age. But in his time, book value was the way you evaluated stocks. You wanted to buy a stock that was less than book value. And for everybody else, book value means if you took all the assets, took all the liabilities of a company, you paid off all the liabilities and you have what was left, that's book value. And you want it to be below one. Therefore, you would still get money for your stock. Right. Okay? In a very simplistic terms, that's what that means. Right now, we don't like to see too many multiples time book value. Okay. Thank you. 888-99-CHART. 888 4278 So, let's talk about the Federal Reserve a little bit. Modern monetary theory. Okay? Okay. Uh, the this is an article that you can read for yourself. It's on MarketWatch.com, um, and number uh, and it, they're talking about what people are are what people are suggesting. They're suggesting that we should dramatically increase our debt because it's so cheap, anyways, and it really doesn't matter. And I'm thinking, it really doesn't matter. I'm more talking about progressives, uh, the progressives that are in Congress. Debt does matter. But since we put on a lot of debt, it appears that it doesn't because it hasn't really affected us negatively. Okay, when I say that, I'm talking about... Think about how the debt, even with Trump coming aboard, look at the debt still growing and where the GDP is still growing and unemployment rates are really low. and So the, they're thinking, oh, well, gee, then it really doesn't matter if we have lots of debt. Uh-huh. Does that make any common sense? Any sense at all? Debt does matter what happens is it constricts the the, the the constricts the ability of our government to do things. what happens when you realize a lot of our debt is not carried by us it's carried by foreign entities countries, people, individuals. what happens if they decide we have so much debt that we have to continue the debt we got to read when it comes due we got to re-up the debt. What happens if they decide uh, they don't won't accept 3% anymore? What will make them decide that they won't accept very low-cost co- debt? What will they, Remember, who drives that rate? When a government borrows money, who's setting that rate? It's the public, the people willing to borrow the money. Right now, they're willing to lend the U.S. government money very cheaply. Why? Well, because we have a pretty strong economy. But we have a ton of debt. What happens if we keep increasing that debt? Incre- let's say we double it. What happens to people? What would you do? Would you demand more interest rate? Okay, let's say we triple it. Because remember, modern modern theory, monetary theory is that debt doesn't matter. What happens if you triple it? What Common sense would tell you that the people lending us their money are going to demand a higher return. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to lend it to you cheap anymore. I want now 6%. And pretty soon, our entire budget is paying the, the, the to pay the debt instead of whatever else we're spending on. It cannot. It makes sense. It does not make any sense. Debt, of course, matters. Just because it doesn't matter today doesn't mean it won't matter in the future. So this this idea that you can just continue to borrow money and it won't matter is just nonsensical. It lacks any any thinking person would look at it and say that's ridiculous. You can't just keep burying yourselves in debt forever. There's a point. There's a there's a breaking point. We, I don't know where it is. We may be close. We may be very far away. But there's a point that people will not lend us any more money. Their money. They will want. They'll demand a higher return. And so anybody who's any. Politician who thinks that that's not going to be true doesn't know anything about economics. It's it's it, and it doesn't have much common sense either. <laughs> you can't do that forever. Just doesn't work. Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley. And this is Invest Talk. New listeners may not realize it that we have been producing this program five days a week, every day, Monday through Friday, for twenty years. And through all that time, all that time. We've been offering financial investing uh, advice. We always try to make it unbiased. We try to make it down-to-earth, common-sense-type advice. We don't hype anything. We don't panic in. We don't panic out. We just give you honest answers to questions that you present to us. So we really appreciate all those questions over all those years, and we hope you'll keep it going by asking more questions. Again, we broadcast, we broadcast live in the Bay Area and stream live through investtalk.com. And of course, and we do this Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And of course, you can podcast it, download it anytime you want. And then you can listen to it when anytime you want. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888 99 chart.
5: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the InvestTalk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience InvestTalk Academy, and the KPP Premium newsletter distributed to subscribers each Friday. Learn more anytime at InvestTalk.com. The phone lines are open now, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to AZ in Van Nuys. Hi, AZ. How's
4: it going? All right. I'm trying to come up with questions for you. When the news comes, good or bad, mm-hmm. is there any statistic for effective news on the stock? Let's say when you get upgraded, it usually goes up 12%. When you get, get a contract, it goes up that much.
1: Yes, that's pretty typical. Also, when it gets downgraded, it it go down? Some of these upgrades and downgrades really have nothing that you know. They really don't mean a lot. They really don't because these guys are wrong a lot. These ex-quote unquote experts. But it does affect the t- stock in the short term. Yes.
4: Where do I find this statistic? Any site, any places you think they might have that as a statistic?
1: Where the statistic is how much something goes up or down? Or yeah. Not. But AZ is referring to everybody when they upgrade or downgrade the stock, it might go up that one day or down that one day, but it then re- recovers some of that.
4: Correct, it, correct. Now, the question is, where do I, is it any statistic on library, universities, anywhere? They have this kind of effect of the news on a stock, of what percentage goes up and down on what news?
1: I've never seen anything or read anything, anybody tracking those statistics. But, easy it wouldn't surprise me if someone did. That's but what I, I'm
4: trying to do. <laughs> I've never,
1: you know, and I do a lot of reading and studying this stuff, and I've never seen anybody report on, you know, what the movement is the one day, two days, five days, ten days after the announcement, you know. So I don't have any place that you can go that I know of, AZ. You
4: see, when I, when I be completed after a year, then I write a book and I make some money.
1: There you go. Yeah, that's what <laughs> you do. Uh,
4: tell me also, what's the earning per share
1: we're talking about? What it really means? Okay, you know, a company sells products. After they pay all the expenses, and then what's left over is they divide that money by the number of shares outstanding... And then you get an earnings per share number. So I it's what they actually made. They do it earnings per share. I made 20 cents per share. They do it that way because it's the only way that makes sense. If a company says I made $10 billion, is that a lot of money or not a lot of money? Based well, on
4: the share, I got you. If this is what they made in one year, you're
1: talking about? No, it's usually earnings per share. They will. When I talk to people, it's going to make like $3 next year earnings per share. That's for the whole year. But they always report it a quarter by quarter.
4: So when you say they divide it, by how many shares they have, they divide the income for quarter or they divide the income for a year?
1: Well, usually when the earnings come out, every quarter.
4: Oh, quarter. Okay, they're talking about quarter. Okay, you got yeah. it. But All
1: right, when, good when enough you... for today. Thanks, Davey. You safety. can go home it. if you
4: want. I finish.
1: Oh, okay, great. Eight 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 ninety nine chart That's our number, Eight 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 Let's go to Sean in San Diego. How are you doing, Sean?
2: Hi, guys. Uh, great show, great show. Thank you. Hey, listen, I had a question um Currently, I'm an MBA student, and I'm thinking about writing my thesis over companies that uh, utilize yeah, value-based management, uh, more specifically economic value-added uh, management techniques.
1: Okay. In, in
2: terms of investing, should one look at specifically at companies that use the model in their management
1: Well, when you look at a company, you look at all the uh, ratios, okay? And that's going to give you the basis of whether the company is making money and how much money is it making on its assets. Okay. Return on assets, return on equity. The ratios between sales growth, earnings growth, and the price of the stock, all those things, if you're looking at the stock price in relationship to the company itself, that's probably different than what you're going to do your thesis on. What you're doing your thesis on is the fundamental management of the company and how good it is.
2: Yes, and it'd be more of the long-term benefit. I really don't see a short-term benefit as far as the stock price because it already takes in consideration the the cash flows.
1: Yes, right. right. The stock price will reflect all those ratios that you'll be looking at. You want to look at the efficiency of the company, its efficient use of its assets or its cash or its equity. Okay, great. Okay, so you want to look at return on assets and return on equity. Those are the two things you want to look for as far as good management of that company.
2: Okay, so that would be the term, the accounting profit, not specifically the economic profit. Of the
1: That's company. right. Great. Sean, appreciate okay. the call. Thank good you, luck sir. with that. you, I do
2: appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Congratulations on the MBA. I hope it works out for you, and you, you make tons of money in the future. Thank you. I'm very excited. Thank you. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Here's an investment term you should know, grant deed. Grant deed. A grant deed is a legal document used to transfer ownership of real property. Grant deeds often help the transfer of real estate from one owner to another. Okay, so that's what you get. You're getting a deed to the property. Numerous types of grant deeds there are out there, depending on who is transferring property to whom. A transfer from with a grant deed does not cause a property's value to be reassessed or property tax purposes. That's not just a transfer; it doesn't do that. So, if you want to read more about what grant deeds are and how they work, and so on and so forth, go to invest, in, invest talk, uh, go over to Investopedia.com. I get a lot of these terms. I really love that website. A couple of websites I really like. Investopedia.com is one of them. Now, if you want to ask a question about something else, anything financial, my number is 888-99 Chart. I'm Steve Peasley. Would love to talk to you. Um, we will we only have a we're down to our last segment of the show, everybody. So give me a call. 888 992 4278
0: Encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: Hey Steve and Justin, this is Chris from Illinois. Hey, I had a question about uh, resistance when you're looking at a stock chart, and I've heard you say, you know, wait for it to break through resistance. When you say break the resistance, you mean closing above that resistance price? And would you say a buy point is when it has one day or two or three days staying above that resistance level? Because I know I've seen, you know, stocks pop through it and then kind of come back off it. So I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye.
1: Well, central, essentially, you, yes, you're correct. For instance, if you're looking at the uh, S&P 500, if you look at that chart, there's several resistance points right around 2800 to, to 2825, and that's where it got it stopped, and because there were several th- three times in October, November, December where it reached that number and bounced down. It came up, bounced down, came back up to that number, bounced down, did it a third time, and then it fell sharply in December. So it failed that third time. So that was resistance. Now, and the market went up to that point a week or so ago, and started down. Now, the another resistance points on the S&P 500 was where it made its ultimate high in late uh, September, and that's at 29, about 29.25. Okay, 29.25 was a, that's a, the next resistance. If it broke above that resistance there would be no other resistance on a yearly chart for it to stop. And therefore, that would be called a breakout. And yeah, you want it to break through resistance, not just one day, but give it a couple, three days. And make sure it's doing it not on less volume traded, but more volume traded. Or look at your on balance volume, OBV, on balance volume. Ah, throwing a new term out there, everybody, something I haven't mentioned for many years. On balance volume, something I look at it all the time, but I just don't want to talk about it. And that's where where the the up ticks are on more volume volume than the down ticks when a stock is being purchased or sold. On balance volume. You want it to be going higher. Interesting, huh? New thing to look up. You can look up it on Investopedia.com. But yeah, you're right. There's resistance, uh, and you want to see a breakup of the resistance, and then the stock likely goes to the next resistance level. And, you know, uh, ultimate breakout is when it breaks above all resistance to the left. And all the resistance is, think about this, people. All that really represents is people who bought stock at a certain peak, and then it fell off. Those people, when they get back even, they tend to sell a stock, stopping that stock from going up any further. Resistance. That's it. Dull. Nothing more than that. Kind of interesting. The Dow Transportation Index is older than the Dow 30 Index. The Dow Transportation Index was it came it was a uh, was produced or. Compiled, or whatever you want to call it, in 1884, where the Dow Jones index was first came out in 1896, 12 years later. Now, what's the importance? Well, the Dow transport has gone down 11 days in a row. Now, if you know anything about the Dow theory, the Dow theory. The transport and the Dow Dow Transportation Index and the Dow 30 Index are related. And the Dow Theory says that if the Dow Industrial Index goes up, but the Dow Transport doesn't go up with it, the market is at a top and it's going to roll over. So now you have a Dow Transport who's gone down 11 days in a row. The Dow hasn't gone down 11 days in a row. So is it going to lead down further? It's only happened five times in history where it's been 11 days in a row for child transport to go down. Five times. So I, I don't know how important it is, but I'm thinking that's one of the reasons why I think the market is probably going to give up some more. May not, but I think it will. I really do. Anyways, I'm going to have to get, I want to talk about this at some point, and that's redefining old age, everybody. What makes a person have a, a, a life well lived. What is that? When you look back, what is a life well lived? We're going to talk about it another day. I'm Steve Peasley and this completes another Top program and I thank you for your loyal support and all your questions and being with me for the last 20 years. I appreciate it. I hope you come back. We'll do this again on Monday. Jessica Klein will be here and I'll be back on Tuesday. Have a nice weekend everybody. Good night.